What's up, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project podcast. I'm your host, Eric Antonson. Today's guest on the show is Dylan Vishman. Um, that is Dylan underscore W-I-C-H-M-A-N-N on Instagram. Uh, Dylan is one of the guys who is leading the charge in strapped aerial surfing. He's one of the best guys in the world, him and Flew to Coop, uh, Paul Cooper. Um, I did it again. Got the phone chiming in. I apologize, guys. Um, before we jump into the show, it, it's a good one. The uh, Dylan actually came incredibly prepared, a whole sheet of notes on what he wanted to talk about. He broke down the Mike Pedigo podcast, the Kane podcasts. He came in with his thoughts, a couple areas where he might disagree with Mike or Kane. Um, and that's good to hear because everybody feels things a little bit differently. And uh, Dylan, if you watch his videos, and I always think that you should go and watch the videos of guys on the show before you listen to the show, because it allows you to calibrate their level compared to your level, how they surf compared to how you surf their body type. And these are all things that will help you in understanding what you should take from the show. Because I'm not going to model a guy necessarily who's 115 pounds. You know, I'm going to have a lot less in common with a Jack Ho than I am with a Kane, who's relatively my same size. And so it just helps. And you can also take, you know, I always filter advice a little bit by the level at which people are too and the thought process that they've put into their learning. There are some folks that are just innate athletes. And I've in, in my coaching background, I always try to draw from folks that I'm surfing with or, or listening to. And there are some folks that are just kinesthetic, tactile learners who may not be able to express how they're doing something. And then there are other folks who have a process and really are able to articulate what they're doing. And so it's good to know who you're listening to um, in those situations. So anyways, for whatever that's worth. Um, before we jump in today, I'm incredibly psyched. I was talking to a good friend of mine, Dave, uh, from Jacksonville, Florida. He just got on the Takuma setup and it's changed his foiling game. Um, in Florida, there's not a whole lot of energy where we normally foil. And the Takuma for him has been a bridge between being able to pump well, like some of his higher aspect gear and still being able to turn. And I'm really excited to, uh, to feel this. And my hypothesis is that for different conditions, you need different wings, obviously, right? But one of the things that I run into, say, riding the 190 in really small surf is that it's incredibly fast and you're moving very fast to a relatively slow wave or small pocket. And so carving more surfy lines is more difficult because you are outrunning the wave and then your turning radius is a little bit wider. And my hypothesis is that in situations like that, you know, like the uh, NP gear, like the NP medium is a good speed for staying in the pocket and surfing, but then kind of feel like it lags a little bit in, in pumping compared to the better gear or not better as a relative term, but the better pumping gear, like the uni 190, which is one of my favorite all time wings. I think what Takuma has done is bridge that gap in creating an efficient wing that is still able to turn in the pocket. And uh, if you look at Scotty Wizard on the Takuma, T Takuma Concept uh, Instagram page, um, 
his last video where he does a, a rock start, it's not on his page, it's just on the Takuma page. Um, that is a really good hybrid video of efficient pumping and then incredible, you know, agility in maneuverability. So I was talking to my buddy Dave. Dave is friends with TJ from Big Wins. Um, Dave put TJ and I in contact and Big Wins is sending me out a Takuma to test. So huge thanks to TJ and Big Wins for doing that. And also in talking to TJ, he said that if anyone from uh, the podcast, any listeners from the podcast want to order a Takuma setup, uh, he'll give everybody a, a 10% discount for listening to the show. So that's a huge hookup. So if you guys are interested in the gear and I will be riding it over the next, I don't know, month or so, and I'll let you guys know, um, you know, how I feel about it. I'm always super open and honest about what I like, um, about gear. And so I'll give you a, a, a clear window into what I'm thinking, but, um, I think that's pretty cool that he's given a hookup out. So huge thanks. It's bigwins.com. Um, check them out. You have to go to right now. You have to go on their site to uh, sup foils. They don't have a prone page yet because I guess they're in the gorge in Oregon doing a lot of downwinders, and so mostly guys are on sup foils out there. But it's all the sup. It's all the gear that we ride. It's all the foil gear that we ride. So uh, check them out and huge thanks. And I think this is something that you know. Uh, in the future, it could be a cool relationship if, if I get to just test a bunch of stuff and then give all you guys feedback and hopefully it hooks everybody up. You know, it's a, a good symbiotic relationship. So check out uh, Big Wins and huge thanks. I cannot wait to get my hands on that foil. It's one of the foils I've really wanted to ride. So, all right, let's jump in with Dylan. Thank you guys for listening and hope you have a wonderful day and get some waves. Dylan, thanks for coming on the uh, podcast. How you doing today, man? I'm good and yourself, Eric. Yeah, stoked to be on and finally meet you as well. Yeah, likewise. Likewise. I've been uh, following your progress through foiling into the strapped game. We both ride a lot of unifoil gear. So uh, it's going to be fun to fun to learn from you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I'm super excited as well. I've probably listened to every single podcast at least twice. Um, podcast is like one of my favorite things to get me through the day and because i'm so obsessed with foiling at the moment i just keep keep finding myself just re-listening to all the previous ones that you've done epic that makes me uh that makes me stoked dude i appreciate it um to start off give us a a quick overview of your you know path in water sports and how you discovered foiling and then we'll dive into the uh all the technical fun foiling stuff okay awesome yeah so i i'm 23 now um i started surfing when i was five um where i live now currently is where i grew up and it's about five minutes from the best learn to surf break in south africa um so it's just perfect for me to get into surfing. The only thing that did happen at one point was the winters get really cold. Um, and about what, um, 16, 17 years ago when I was really getting into it, I didn't have really good wetsuits at all. So I kind of got over it for about two years, got into skating, um, did that solely for two years. And then I was pretty much I was quite gnarly for a kid. I can't do anything on anymore. I stopped for so many years after that. Um, 
but yeah, I was doing some pretty big airs for for my A and the Rams, and then it got to the point where all the other guys were just trying to push me so much that it just there was one time where I was standing on top of like a 15 foot pretty much vertical ramp, and yeah, that just was too much for me. Um, and then I kind of ditched skating, got back into surfing. And that time skating actually helped me a lot. And when I started surfing again, I improved a lot more than I did when I first started. Um, and then, yeah, pretty much just focused only on surfing. That was all I did. Didn't really do much of the other other water sports. Um, I didn't do the greatest in the contest growing up. I'm not such a competitive person. Um, in my last year, under 17, I came second in South Africa, which was my best result in my whole junior career. And after that, I kind of just called it quits because I knew I wouldn't really do any better than that. I did do a few contests, but I didn't quite focus on them like I did when I was younger. Um, and then two years after that, finished school went straight from there to work at a surf school for four years um and eventually that led to me getting a little bit bored of foil i mean of surfing um and at the same time that's when foiling hit the scene as well um me and my old boss we went out we had one of clifford's original unifoils and an old um like mini simmons shape shaped surfboard that had been converted into a foil board um we just got absolutely smashed um we went with the jet ski and then at the end of that i tried to paddle into a wave or two and we pretty much didn't get to our feet more than two seconds on the foil so we were kind of like gave up on foiling then said oh, it was impossible to do um but yeah we're just kind of that's a surfer mentality as soon as you can't do something you just get over it because surfing's like your biggest focus so when you can't do something in the water it's just not very fun um same thing happened to me at one point with stand-up paddling i tried that once or twice my brother was really good and i just couldn't get the balance and got over that as well um but then we met a guy marcel through the surf school and he also knew knew clifford as well he'd um, he'd spoken to Clifford quite a few times and he knew a little bit about foiling. Um, so he took us and then we got our first couple flights on the foil and me and my boss at the time were just instantly hooked, um, as well, because I wasn't so interested at surfing at that point. I just went full on into the foiling after that. I probably pretty much just put my surfboards away. Um, and then, yeah, I eventually convinced my parents to buy me my first foil setup. I got the the Unifoil 210. Um, one thing that actually happened to me that I've noticed didn't really happen to any other people when they first started riding their high aspects is I just got super lucky and managed to get it right in my first surf. Um, which, yeah, from what I've heard, not a lot of people have the same feedback. Um, also, a couple of the guys in the last couple of months that I recommend to go onto the, the Hyper Series of Foil, they have the same issue. They tried once or twice, and they don't really like it. And I'm just like, stick with it, stick with it. 
because once you get used to that, um, yeah, you just can't go back. Um, so yeah, I'm actually, I'm getting a little bit, um, caught up in my thoughts. So let me know <laughs> what you think so far. Well, I think the one thing that you mentioned there was, uh, was skating and having skating help your surfing. That's something that I have noticed when I'm out of the water, we have a little mini ramp and, you know, I'll just skate the mini ramp every day. I feel like foiling and skating is almost as closely linked as foiling and surfing. I feel like a lot of the connection turns, how you're approaching, it's almost like a, like a skate park because you're, yeah, you're I was, I was actually just, sorry about that. I was also going to say exactly that because I've heard in the last, um, some of your podcasts, you've touched on the skating side of things. Um, and I was also, I was out at Musenberg the other day and I just had like a vision of every wave being like a mini quarter pipe yeah. to hit when you're out, when you're on the wave, it's just so much fun. Yeah. I, I feel that way. And I also think that the, like the, the way that you approach the turns, especially the toe side connection turn, I feel like it's, it's more similar to surfing ramp or to skating ramp than it is to like a surfing top turn almost. Um, when you're, when you're doing them like really tight in the pocket, that feels like you're skateboarding. Someone actually said that the other day I was, uh, I was foiling up, up the coast a little bit and a guy, he's like, I skated my whole life. It looks like you're skating on the water. And I was like, yeah, that's what it feels like, man. Yeah. I think I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, I actually, when I used to skate, that was my biggest thing that I struggled with is like going around a bowl. I was never able to do that toe side kind of turn down. Yeah. It's a lot easier when you're going up heel side because you can kind of pivot off that, your back truck, um, lift your front trucks up. But yeah, I've never, never been the smoothest in the, the bowl. Um, yeah, for me, when I, when I first started skating, it was all just quarter pipes going straight up and down. Um, so yeah, the one thing I do find that crosses over the most between the foiling and the skateboarding is actually the standing upright. Yep. Surfing, it's all about pretty much on that bottom turn, um, sticking your bum out as much as you can, activating your hamstrings, getting your chest as close as you can to the wave and you pretty much can't do that on a foil. If you try that on a foil, you're just going to go flat. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. Why don't you talk about stance in, in foiling a little bit? Because I think that's something that I know I had difficulty with when I switched from being a lifelong surfer into foiling. And, and your skate um, parallel right there makes a lot of sense. It is a lot more similar to, uh, to skating. But maybe talk about um, stance and, and how you approach it. Yeah. So I actually, I had that kind of same issue in the beginning when I first started foiling is, um, I bend my knees a lot when I do surf. So I was doing the same thing on the foil board. And what I find actually happens is you can't transition your weight fast enough. Um, so when you stand up straight, you can do these little movements in your hips and shift your weight pretty fast um, relative to when you're standing down low. Um, I do think the one time that you do stand pretty low on your foil is 
when you're just going super fast. Yeah. Because then if you stand too upright, you can't handle that speed. Um, but I do especially think when you are learning to foil, that as soon as you kind of get your feet in the right spot to stand up a bit straighter, not focus on as much pushing the weight on your feet like you do on your surfboard, but just focusing on shifting your hips, just tiny little movements. And then it actually becomes a bit easier to control the foil in yeah. my mind. I agree 100% with you right there. I also think that when you're standing up straighter, especially when you're flying, like I ride the Uni 190 a lot. And on that wing, I use my ankles to control the wing more than anything else I find. Yeah. I kind of fly into turns and it's almost, if you're standing up straight, you can make little adjustments with the ankle because that I, I find, and maybe you, you surf that wing better than I do, but I find that I kind of do a little ankle movement to start rolling into the turn and then once the board starts to, once the foil starts to really catch, then you can roll your body into the turn with it. But if you start with your body, sometimes there's almost like, I've named this and we'll see if, uh, if this, if this um, makes sense to you. I've started to say that higher aspect foils have what I'm calling like recovery lag. And it might just be a lag in general, but I find that when you put it in a really deep turn, it, it takes time to come out of that turn. There's a, there's a time um, like almost like a pause to where you have to wait for the foil to recover. And dihedral wings, like, do you ride the 150 hyper or the vortex? Um, Sorry, the vortex. Yeah, 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 I ride that quite a lot, but um, just where because I've been at Musenberg most of the time the last couple months, it's not really quite powerful enough for it. Right. So I've been spending more time lately on the hyper. Right on. Hypers. But but you know how like the uh, the vortex comes right under your feet right away, and on the on the hyper it takes a minute for the board to come back under your foot. I it? think it might also have something to do with the the stiffness mm -hmm. because the one fifty is like small and compact, um, and it's also got a thicker profile. So you think you can't really actually you can put so much force on one side of the wing, and the foil is still going to stay flat. With especially the the bigger wings, you go especially to like the 210, there's just so much pressure on each side of the wing. So it kind of almost creates a recoil. Right. So, yeah, you get that initial part of the turn where you lay into it and then all of a sudden like halfway through the turn, it just starts accelerating so much. So that's almost when that recoil is happening. Yeah. A hundred percent. Do you roll in on your ankles too? Do you use your ankles to surf the higher aspect wings more than like the vortex? I, I, I do find that, but what I've noticed, um, the last couple sessions is I've been putting the, that chopped down flare tail on with the, with the shim on the front Which, and then the 12 inch flare. That's like the, yeah. the wing, the, the, kind of double upturned wings with the kind of anhedral yeah. in the center. Yeah. So I've chopped those wing tips down. So if you put a, put a ruler on, on the middle, like where the highest point on the, the anhedral is yep. pretty much the wing tips are now flush with that line. Oh, wow. Maybe I'll, I have the 12 and I don't like that tail with the full wing tips. I've ridden it a few times and, um, I don't like it. So I'll cut it. Uh, so you think basically the same height as the top of the, like the high point? Yeah. 
Yeah, so I actually listened to the one um, the one podcast a few times, well, all of Kane's podcast a few times because it's so technical. It took me a while to understand everything. Um, but when I heard him say that, yeah. I had my clear tail that I just stopped using. I chopped it down. Actually, the first time I ever used it, I didn't like it at all. And then it was probably like a couple months later now that I tried it and something just clicked and it was so good. Interesting. I'm going to have to, yep. uh, I'll give that a go. I think we have some surf tomorrow, so I'll, I'll chop that today. Um, I've been riding a, like a custom 12 and a half inch flat or 13 inch flat tail with down tips. And that's been insanely fun with the, uh, with a nice shim in there. I think I'm using like a one five. It's a custom shim. I think it's like a one five. Yeah, I've actually since, um, because I think I, I made one of those posts where I said something about using the flare tail. Yeah. And then you mentioned um, using just the the race tail with the shim. Mm-hmm. And I did, I started to like that quite a lot as well. So I can imagine with those down tips, um, yeah, can only get even even better. So fun. What does that, that do? Does it give you more stability, more speed? Um, so... I yeah. think it does two things. Um, and you should get some from Cliffy because I know that he has been secretly um, maybe making a few. I don't know if I should say that or not, but um, I think he's going to release them soon. I think they're going to be a good seller for him. But um, the I think it does two things. One, since the down tips, since the, the tips are curved down on the low pressure side of the foil, I think it gives you more, it's like the Takuma, the Takuma has been doing those down tips. And I think that's part of the secret of their efficiency on those wings, which I get to test soon, which I'm excited about. And then the other is, I think it acts almost like, like surf fins to where you can push on the turns harder. I did all my, on the Stealth 200, I've just done all of my best connection turns on that tail. Like you can, like I'm pushing it like a shortboard, like a thruster. It's really cool. Um, yeah, from what you described there, that's almost a slightly similar thing to what I feel with the flare tail. Maybe that's just, even though the wing tips are up, maybe it just creates that, that similar feel. Probably. Kane talks about it like that vertical, the, the rear stab vertical space is what is, um, is giving you that hold and, and also that rollover, I guess. Um, He's supposed to come back yeah, on so what, what, what I kind of found was, um, so originally I used the race tails all the time. Um, yeah. Then Cliffy told me to use the the down curved one. Yeah. And then I just absolutely love that. And what I find with the flares is it gives you that same kind of slightly wobbly feel that you want to get into the turn. Yeah. But then because of the tips, you can just – lay into it so much more and you don't have to um lean quite on your ankles as much i almost describe it as giving the the hyper more of a the vortex feel oh that's awesome what i've also found is um because my main focus at the moment is just doing airs and seeing how high i can go <laughs> so is it hold on so one second dylan if anyone has not checked out Dylan's Instagram page. Now would be a great time to stop the podcast and go watch some of the strapped airs that he's been doing lately because they're pretty mind blowing. I mean, you're doing full rotations. It seems like all the time now, uh, big backflips. Um, you've got to be top five guys 
in the world right now doing doing strapped airs on surf oil. So go go ahead. But I just wanted to put that out there. If you haven't seen it, go look at it now because this will make more sense. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate yeah, it. Um, but yeah, I was actually that was one of the things I wanted to touch on a little bit later. Um, is the actual rotation the rotation is because the other day I tried to do like I've been doing. I don't know quite what to call it, but that backhand alley-oop type thing. Yeah. Um, but then now obviously see all the guys doing rotations the other way, but that is so scary. And I got a pretty big hole in my heel from landing on my foil the other day. Oh no. T talk about why yeah. you think, so you think rotating, rotating like a, it's, it's so weird how we'll call them like skate turns right so like backside you think is an easier rotation but then you're landing without seeing the landing right it's it's not that the rotation's easier or harder it's how the the foil releases from the water so what ha what i've found happens is when i'm going backhand and i'm rotating turning my body up the wave when the foil releases it is pretty much going parallel to the water or, or kind of going straight up. It's not at an angle coming out of the water at an angle because when you try to do the rotation the other way, the, um, yeah, I don't know quite what you would call that. Um, like Say the normal front side. Or, yeah. Yeah. The, well, the actual air reverse instead of the alley-oop rotation, sure. the foils, the up, like, the wrong angle. So what happens is as you come out of the water, the foil kind of sticks, you go up and that's how I land on the foil the other day. Okay. So, so then, so if you're going front side, it is easier to throw, basically you're saying it's easier to throw alley-oops than it is to throw Much reverses. Easier. Okay. And as soon as you're turning up towards the lip, the foil's releasing really nicely. I gotcha. Are you releasing almost over the back of the wave, like through the lip, or are you doing it on the face? So what I've found as well, and this was also in my notes, is that when you start doing just any in general, it's a lot easier to do it off the foam. So you look for a small oncoming foam section. And what happens is then, because you have all that turbulence in the foam, it releases the foil much easier. So then you start focusing on looking for those foam sections. You get the air right. You get your rotation right. And then all of a sudden, you're able to translate that really well onto an open face wave. And what I've found is every now and again, I actually, my foil is hitting the lip like a normal shortboard or it hit the lip with a shortboard. I gotcha. But if you try that in the beginning, you're going to get really, really hurt. <laughs> and that's why if you you actually see from a lot of my videos, especially the GoPro stuff, um, is I'm wearing a helmet yeah. because yeah, you don't want it. I've, I've been hit once in the face by the foil and I don't want that to happen again. So, so let me just recap that a little bit to make sure that I understand it. So you're saying when you release in the front side, say reversed type air, you're actually getting powered by the lip as if you were hitting it with a shortboard. And so it's putting like a different force on the wing where in the alley-oop you get to like get a clean release. Is that make sense? Is that, yeah. what, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Kind of. It's, 
yeah, I'm not like, I'm not very, I struggle to understand and word the technical side of things. For me, it's a lot about feeling. Right. Like even when I get boards made, it's like, I feel this, but I don't know how to quite describe it in terms of surf, shape and talk. Gotcha. Um, excellent. What else do you got on your notes there, man? You've got good notes. I like this. Thanks for coming prepared. So yeah, kind of a few other things we've gone through. They've it's not really in the order of my notes, but they're <laughs> a lot of the things I was kind of thinking of bringing up there because we covered a bit of it. Yeah. Um, I'm just gonna check over for a sec. Um, oh yeah, and then there's also the strapless airs and. One of the things I kind of wanted to maybe chat to you about is I find it kind of, it sounds like the other guys have said differently in a few of the other podcasts, but I find being strapped makes it a lot safer for you as the rider, but also everyone around you. Oh, interesting. Um, And... The one, the one thing is you, you obviously can get your foot stuck in the straps. And I actually, I was speaking to Willow the other day. He was winging and went for air and his foot got stuck in the strap. And I think he must have got like sprained his ankle really badly. Sent me a picture. It was super, super swollen. So that is the downside. But again, I do believe it makes it quite a bit safer uh, for you to be strapped. When I used to ride strapless i was pretty much getting a slice or two in my wetsuit every single session and now i probably get a hole in my suits like every month or so and and that's mostly from airs i would take it um yeah airs and even just when you when you're strapless trying to go for like a really hard carve bigger than you should do you try to breach the wingtips too much and you don't quite know which way the fall is going to go Gotcha. Gotcha. You want to talk about breaching a little bit and how you, um, I've been thinking a whole lot about breaching lately and, uh, it might be a fun conversation to have. You have any best practices for breaching when yeah, it happens? So quite a few, few notes on that. First of all, I think one of my biggest advantages to, to being able to, to breach is doing dock starts all the time because I live on um, like a lagoon, mm-hmm. so I can do starts every day if I want to. And what happens is when you just doing the the breaching in flat water, you're able to gauge where the surface of the water is. Yep. But when you actually breach in the surf, it becomes a lot harder because you have to gauge the at what angle the wave is at the same time. So I think that's for every, anyone that wants to learn to breach is first yeah, start doing it in flat water and then kind of translate that into the surf. And then the other main, main thing in my mind is you almost, you aim to do it like a U-turn because that same kind of thing we spoke about earlier with that, almost like that recoil is you want to follow that movement the whole time. As soon as you, when you're breaching and you try bring the foil straight again, what actually happens is I've seen it a lot from my GoPro videos is that when the foil goes back into the water, 
that air bubble, instead of staying just on the wingtip, it crosses the whole front of the foil, yep. and then you just completely drop. Um, so yeah, it's, I aim always to pretty much do like the longest carve I can, and then I ride out most of the time. What I've seen is um, Mezzo, he does like these snaps where he breaches the wingtip. Well, I've done that once or twice, but most of the time I just go flying when I try it. Gotcha. I have found that if I am breaching, generally when I breach, I will lose altitude, a lot of altitude on on the flight wherever I am. And a lot of times I'll touch down. And I do that a lot in connection turns, less in like cutbacks than I do in connection turns. As long as I can get kind of pointed back with wave energy... I can usually recover. It's when I breach and then I'm I'm losing that altitude and the wave energy is somewhat um, at some angle to to the to the direction that I'm going. It's really hard to recover because then all of a sudden the wave energy is pushing you against your foil, and I, I haven't figured out really how to come out of that yet. Yeah, so so that's again why I think the the flat water helps a lot with that because you have no power at all. So in order to breach, you can't hit the water. As soon as you hit the water, you're basically done for. Yeah. Um, because yeah, in my mind, it's like, it's, we have to do it to learn, but when you use that foam, it's slightly like cheating because I'll be able to do pretty much like breach the whole foil out of the water and I know that when the foam hits me, I'll be able to recover. Mm-hmm. But if I can, I try breach and ride without the the foil dropping in the water at all. And so how are you putting your wing back in the water then through that turn? You're letting it carve back into the water and you're not getting that uh, ventilation across the whole wing when you do that? Exactly. So that's why I was saying you kind of aim to do like a U-turn. Okay. And I just out by watching all of Kane's stuff yeah. because when he's doing that breaching, you pretty much, you put a bit more weight on your back foot than you would just while you're pumping and doing kind of down the line turns. Um, so that is the one time that you're focusing on putting more weight on your back foot than your front foot. And that also kind of, as soon as you put too much weight on the front foot, again, that foil drops, that air bubble encases the whole foil and then yeah, there's no chance of recovering from there. there that's when you need the whitewash to yeah right which is kind of how i always try to set those turns up right now um that's cool that's giving me i'm sorry i'm taking a little time here i'm kind of visualizing i'm going to practice that tomorrow see what see what happens probably just practice it a little bit just pumping back out yeah exactly yeah, so that that was one of the things I kind of actually wanted to cover the most. And then there's um, there's another thing I noticed about that is that when you're trying to breach riding strap compared to strapless, it's also quite a lot different. Because what happens is when you're riding strapped and you try to lean on your back foot and continue that turn, you get to a point where your body wants to straighten out and your straps allow your feet to do that super quick and then again as soon as you do that you're just gonna you're gonna bail and i realized that after after the lockdown 
because I was doing all the dock starts at my house for about two months and I was doing that all strapless. So I thought, okay, now I'm going to go into the surf and I'm going to be able to get like, again, half the foil out of the water. And then for like three sessions in a row, I could not breach at all. And that's when I figured out that, yeah, the strap breaching is slightly different to the strapless breaching. So what do you do when you're strapped differently? Um, you just got to stop your feet from pulling the board straight again. I got gotcha. um, Because uh, also when you like, how often do you ride straps? I, I don't. At all? No, not much at all. No. So like even when you first learn, that's when you can feel it the most. But when you're riding strapless, you like when you're pumping and even through especially your toe side turns, is your heels coming off the board where strapped is the complete opposite. It locks your heel down and your toes now come up. That makes sense. So it's, it's like, feels like a snowboard almost. Yeah. 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 So in the beginning I hated the feeling of straps. Um, and then once I got used to not lifting my heel up, then it kind of changed completely for me. That's cool. You and so you said you don't ride much strapless anymore. Um, what do you like strapless versus strapped and vice versa? Um, well, I like even when I used to shortboard, ninety percent of my waves I just go for an air on. So for me, it's all about progression. So when I had the option of straps, it kind of just took over. Um, but every now and again, when I do need return to the basics and kind of focus more on my my balancing, because again, strapped, you have a lot more leverage, and then I'll go to strapless for a couple sessions. Um, also, when the waves are tiny here, which does happen sometimes for a week or two on end, then I'll just take out a slightly bigger high aspect foil and then yeah, do some strapless strapless riding. Uh, how much different is your pump? Let, let's let's do a pump conversation here, everybody. That seems to be a very popular topic. And the last podcast that I did with with Mike Pedigo, um, the guy who I surf with the most, we went pretty deep into pumping, and that seemed to really resonate with with a lot of folks about you know staying high and what the difference in feels are there, and the difference in pumping, you know, when you're trying to get speed and when you're just trying to you know efficiently pump. Uh, did you listen to that and what were your thoughts and how can you expand on it? Yeah, I did listen to that. Um, yeah, same thing with what I said about the breaching earlier. I think the the biggest advantage you can get is by doing some dock starts. Um, especially, it's it's kind of hard to, when you don't know how to pump, get a ride in the beginning. It's mainly just jumping off and getting your feet onto the board, that's really hard. But once you've got that part right, it's so much easier to figure everything out about your pumping, especially um, with what you're talking about with Mike is, um, I call it being in the zone where your foil is about 15, 20 centimeters below the surface. Mm -hmm. um, and I first felt that when I was um, doing some dock start is when it's low, it's so much harder to pull the foil up through the water as opposed to when you're up there, you're doing these small little pumps. Um, and then 
I can't quite remember if you covered it, but I think one of the biggest things to help you pump longer is constantly changing your pump cadence. Um, Explain that a little bit. So generally, um, I'll try figure out what the the right cadence for the foil is and then pump at that the majority of the time. And then when my legs are really starting to burn, I'll kind of bring the foil slightly closer to the surface and do these really small little pumps. And I don't know exactly what it is, but I think even though you're still doing a lot of exercise, just changing up that speed allows some of your muscles to recover slightly. Um, and then you can go back to your, your normal pump cadence again. And then the same thing is you can do two or three big, long, slow pumps and then also get that little bit of recovery time. That makes a lot of sense. A, a big moment for me in pumping was when I found that, especially in the high aspect wings, you know, like the, the cane type pump, which is the super high in the water column bounce, which is incredibly efficient. But then I also found that you can do like these really long swooping pumps on, especially like the 190 for me, and it can get going incredibly fast. Like I can pump up to like 17 miles an hour on that wing, according to my GPS watch, whatever, which is ridiculously fast. Like it feels like you're, you know, I could pass the boat I whip in on sometimes, you know. Um, it takes a lot more energy, but those big kind of dolphin you know, it's probably like a foot and a half through the water column pumps versus maybe like seven or eight inches. Um, and using those pumps, you know, right before connection turns, do you, do you change pumping style in that way too? Um, how do you mean the pumping style, like the speed of your pumping or like how your actual body moves while you're doing the pumping? Actually how your body moves when you're doing the pumping. Like there's like the bounce pump that, it, you know, it's kind of like the cane pump, but then there's, I'm sure he does the other one too. It's just, he's famous for that one. But then there's the, like a different pump. Like, and I learned it by pumping on the MFC, which doesn't do that bounce pump at all. You can't really do it. You have to basically like dolphin the MFC oh, really? through the water, through a, through a large portion of the water column too, using most of your mast. And then that wing actually pumps really good, like the 1400 or, yeah. um, but doing that on the higher aspect wings seems to get those wings going really fast, pretty quickly, but it takes yeah. a lot of energy. Yeah. You can't get quite that speed where you are doing that little hop, like right. you said, Kenda. Right. That's, that's kind of like my rest, rest pump. Right. Um, yeah, and also like what I find is in the the surf, depending on where the wave is, like sometimes you can see the waves about, like already starting to break and it's like 50, 100 meters away. And then again, you do that, you just start swinging your arms, you kind of project your chest almost forward a bit and that helps with your forward momentum. Um, I think it also just, helps get more weight on your front foot. So you're actually increasing the the swing weight of the, the board and all that. Right. Um, I definitely change it up a lot according to what waves are, are oncoming. Right on. Let's talk about that next portion when, when you've pumped, you've got a lot of velocity and you're coming into a connection turn. What are you thinking about? Where are you trying to approach the lip? Um, what are your favorite ways to do that? Talk through, like you know, 
uh, strapped or strapless connection turns. Not airs though. Um, well, those, those turns, that's actually when I try wear my helmet the most, because that's when you most likely to do that. Um, like you say, the tuckering. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's the biggest thing I watch out for. Um, also, especially when you're learning to do that on the high aspect, especially a lot of the guys will just try turn, turn into the wave like their normal foil. But the high aspect, depending on what you have, what size you have, the wingspan is so wide that you need to focus on keeping the foil much deeper in the water than you think you would. Um, and then, yeah, once you've, once you've obviously got that right, I'll try. Wait, sorry, were you saying something? No. Oh, so I must have heard something. Um, so yeah, as I was saying, so then when you get better at that, I try aim a lot to breach the wingtips, but that's when I find it just the hardest because you, you're busy going up this wave. That's whatever steepness. And now you, when you turn, you've got to figure out where the foil is in relation to the surface. And sometimes just my whole foil will come out the water. Sometimes it'll be so much deeper than I thought it would be. And that's often when I end up doing that tuckering because I almost feel like that recalls increase the deeper the foil is in the water. Mm -hmm. So you kind of find a happy medium. So yeah, every now and again, I'll if I've reached like three or four times in a row going for those, I'll try to keep it a lot deeper. And then you slightly have that risk of, again, it turning a lot sharper than you thought it would be. And you can either fall in front of the foil or fall on the foil. Um, so yeah, that's, that's actually where I feel the most comfortable being strapped because strapless, you never know where that board's going to go. Yeah. How, how do you, in those situations when you're strapped. So I had a theory a long time ago, like watching Derek Kama when he's strapped and he's got a paddle as well, but what that was allowing him to do was to approach those turns being much more aggressive, airing on the side of never tacoing. So you're always going to fall. If you're doing like a, a heel side turn, you always fall on your back and not over the foil because you can recover and pull the board back under your feet. Is that how you approach it strapped as well to where you're trying to almost overturn because you can recover better with the straps? Well, most, of the, most of the time I will definitely focus on doing that. Um, yeah, I think on the, the smaller board, you do have a bit more risk of tuckering. It's actually happened to me once or twice recently on with the straps and I didn't actually fall on the foil, but what happened was my feet got stuck in the straps and like I got, two um cracks along the rail because my shin hit the board oh, because my feet worst were... yeah and i've like i've got a couple years ago i got like 10 stitches in my my one shin so that there's like barely any skin there so as soon as i hit the side of the board like that it just opens up again oh man that's the worst that you leave all the hair in the side of your board too yeah. <laughs> no well that's i actually I have massive respect for all the guys that fall in board shorts because I don't think I'd ever want to do that. Even if I go to Hawaii, I'll probably, or somewhere like that, I'd take a 2-2 with me. <laughs>
I feel like the wetsuit just slows me down so much. It's already hard enough for me to keep up cardio wise pumping. Yeah, I think yeah, I'm I've been in a wetsuit my whole life, so I'm just too used to it. <laughs> uh what else you got on your list of topics? Um let's see. Oh yeah, so um one of the other things um I've found is and I think um you've got that right with the 190 for you is if you're riding the high aspects, all of the different sizes have completely different cadences mm -hmm. that you need to pump at. Um, so for me, I like the 170 the most, even for pumping, I can't quite pump as far, but that speed is just so much more natural. What do you weigh and how tall are you? Everyone's going to want to know that if you're talking about pumping and gear. Uh, I'm 73 kgs. I'm not too sure what that is. I'll do the math on it. Um, and I'm about 5'10 around there. Um, so you're about 160 pounds. So yeah, that's probably about right. I'm about 190 pounds and I like the 190. It's probably a very similar feel, very similar pump would be my guess. Yeah. Yeah. And that, the, oh yeah, the other thing I wanted to... To say, I just think it's a very useful tip for anyone out there, um, especially in regards to the high aspects, is you kind of want to find a foil, just one size, and then rather buy a whole bunch of extra tails and chop them down. Because if you take, say, an inch off of each side of the tail, it creates such, like just as much of a difference as say me jumping from the 170 to the 190 mm -hmm. and you're probably looking at like a sixth of the price for a tail compared to buying another whole nother front wing yeah that's a that's a great point the, the amount of feel that you can get from changing tails is just unreal um for sure. And and even, yeah, the whole, you just chop a, you know, an inch off of each side and you have a completely different foil. Everything's different. Yeah. Yeah. It makes such a big difference. And also, yeah, just the, the space saving of it as well. Um, and then again, okay, going down to my notes. Um, oh yeah, I'm, I do a lot of winging. Do you want to talk anything about that? Yeah. Because I don't think let's, let's go through winging. We, there's a lot of folks who listen who are into winging and I don't wing really. So it, it's, it's great to represent that as well. So just hit me. I'll listen. Um, so yeah, I, I think one of the biggest advantages of the winging is you can actually learn to foil on a wing without having like, much experience as a surfer even um there's quite a lot of those those guys actually here around cape town like a, a bunch of older guys that actually came more from the kite background um and they have all taught themselves to foil and they can't even really catch a wave and get up on the foil in the surf so for people that are are inland and all that that want to get into to foiling it makes a big difference um also, like one of the biggest difficulties I find with teaching my friends to foil is I don't have a boat 
And that's a whole bunch of money, um, which I would probably not afford in the next 10 years. So for me, I can kind of, uh, I normally have like a wing or two spare is I can take my friends down to the water with me. They can mess around on a sup, get pretty confident with the wing on the sup, and then eventually teach themselves to foil from there. Yeah, um, that's a cool point. Um, how often do you use the wing and surf? In the surf? Yeah. Uh, not very often because it makes a one-foot wave feel like a 10-foot wave, especially when the, wa- the wave catches the wing um, and you got the leash pulling you one direction, the foil p- pulling you the other direction. Um, so, like, I do try going to the surf every now and again, but it is super, super risky. And unless you are willing to to take your wing in for, for repairs on the regular, um, I wouldn't suggest it too much, <laughs> especially when it's over, like, one or two foot. Gotcha. Are, are you, uh, go ahead. What are some tips that you would have for folks um, who are progressing in winging? Not not beginner type stuff, but getting to a solid level. Um, what were your big so, aha moments? What were the big moments when you're like, "Oh, wait a second, that's that's very cool." Well, uh, it's the same, similar to the learning side of things. It's just. When you go wing for an hour, you're up on the foil for so long. So in one session, you're able to learn so much more than even in a surf oil session, which compared to surfing, your riding times exponentially more. Um, yeah, I've, so for me, I only started winging this last season here in Cape Town. Um, one of the reasons why I'm super stoked I got into it is the summers here are always really windy and being a surfer when there was wind, I generally stay inside. Now it's like I see a windy day and I'm more excited for that than any other day really. Um, so yeah, it's always super, super exciting to have a day of wind. Um, and then I'm also, like, I mean, wing's been around for way shorter than foiling, and it really seems like there's a whole bunch of disciplines to just the winging. Um, I saw, I think it, it's all going to be cancelled now for a while, but they were even, like, looking into starting, like, a event in Europe for the winging, um, which I thought would, like, is super cool because it's in such a short time there's already um, – contest coming around again that probably won't be running for quite a while now but as soon as that is up and going i'm gonna try get into one of those events um and then i watch the guys from from riding at the most they go so high in the air it's actually it's quite hard to to comprehend in a way especially with a foil that's like a super heavy thing that you're having to to pull into the air with you um and also if you if you disconnect from the foil in the air you're just praying you don't land anywhere yet yeah are you doing much uh downwinding i've i've done a couple and actually 
about a week and a half ago now, I went to up to Longabon. Um, it's like a, a lagoon up the, the west coast here in Cape Town. It's where a lot of the, the kites go over the, the summer season. They don't really stay up there because it's a super, super small town, but they go up there whenever there's wind. Um, and I felt super safe there because here in Cape Town, there are rumors that all the sharks are gone, but when you're in the middle of the ocean, it just kind of freaks me out. <laughs> I'm sure. Have you had any crazy shark encounters on foil yet? Um, one minor one the other, the other day, probably like a month and a half ago. Again, I don't think it was um, a great white because they're apparently all gone from Cape Town at the moment. But it was a pretty light wind day and I went out um, through the surf and I tried to do, I don't know what it's called, but that where you, instead of jiving while you're going heel side, is you kind of tuck the, the nose of your wing and you do a 360. Have you seen the guys doing that? Yeah, Jeffrey Spencer's been doing a lot of those. They're, they're sick. Yeah, yeah. Those, those two are crazy with that wing. Um, but yeah, so I tried that and I've only done a few of them. So I, I fell, um, I kind of got back on my board. I was waiting for a gust and there just was no gust for about 10 minutes. And I'm just sitting on my board, looked down. And a, about a week before that, there were quite a few stingrays and stuff out of Musenberg. So I thought it was maybe two stingrays swimming. Um, like underneath me and then as it kind of went straight underneath my foil i could see it was like a two and a half meter shark oh, i don't know what type of shark it was but i've never been so scared in my life oh man do you think he was following the foil um no i don't think it was was one of those but yeah i saw that what happened with michelle Perez, and that looked super scary yeah i connor baxter had a situation like that when he was downwinding a long time ago. I think he was on a sup though. And he actually fought off. I believe it was a tiger shark where, no just, and it wouldn't leave him alone for like 15 minutes. And he kept like hitting with its paddle. And that was one of the more scary encounters that I've heard about. No, there are tiger sharks and bull sharks on for me. And kept on the great whites. And you know that if you have an encounter with them, they kind of just go away straight after that. They come check you out and they realize you're not food and leave. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd like any of those, any of the above. Um, let's talk about foil contest for a little bit because, you know, over the next couple of years, we're going to start to see um, competitive foiling happening, surf foiling I'm talking about right now. What do you think judging criteria should be for and format maybe i don't know if you've given this any thought but how do you think that foiling should be judged from a contest perspective well yeah i've also from what i've listened to in your podcast i've been trying to think about it and it's it's just going to be super hard to to figure it out um i don't know maybe they should almost score like a run of snowboarding where you kind of have like say like a minute or two to do what you can because um, I posted a video on Instagram the other day just like um, for fun, like if this was a contest, like what would you score it? And then some of the guys from over in Hawaii commented that um, like only two of the waves count. And what I often do 
especially at Museberg, I mean, other waves are completely different, is I'll take off and then just pump straight out. But then that take off and pump out was scored. So it's going to be kind of hard to figure out all that in my mind. Like, um, yeah, like I've listened to you talk about um, how like they're going to be a few people kind of up and riding and stuff. And that's, that's again, that's probably going to be the biggest challenge. Um, but ultimately, we, you can get to a point where even when a wave's like completely flat, you can still work it and get a pretty decent score out of it in my mind. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to take a while until there's like a concrete system. Also, like surfing, like it took so long to evolve. And with foiling, like right in the beginning, now guys are already doing airs and stuff on the straps. Um, so they are going to have to figure out how to score, like however many different type of maneuvers, as opposed to like a slow evolving sport where it's like first just turns and then the guys start doing like fin throws and then airs and you kind of evolve with that where right. foiling it's going to happen together. Yeah, I, th I think it'll catch up to board sports very fast because we have such long established models to work from, you know, snowboarding, I feel like is a good one, skating, surfing. Um, I tend to think that for judging foiling, it's going to have to almost be like skating where it's your turn to go. No one else can ride a wave. You get, you know, as long as many connections as you can do. And that run is scored. And, yeah. and then... Yeah. And that way the judges can watch everything you have. Because if you're pumping back out and there's someone else riding right in the section where you want to do your connection turn, like that takes away a ton of your, it's not an interference technically, but you know, that's your scoring potential right there. So yeah, I don't know um, who would get priority in those situations. And I mean, maybe you just get two waves per heat. Everybody rotates heats are as long as that takes. And then you move from there or, or maybe it's, or maybe everybody gets to go in the contest and then it's judged like snowboarding where then you get, you go from the, the first scores and then you move to the final and then you get two more runs in the final. So you only get, you know, four or six runs in a day, but you, you can be up as long as you want. Yeah, I actually, I think that sounds like a really good idea. Um, also the one, the one reason why it could, um, translate really well into foiling is, it's not as much of an issue like if someone's on the bomb of the day because right. it's kind of just as good for foiling. You actually don't really want the set when you're on a foil. Right. <laughs> you yeah. want the set because then you can rip that as hard as possible. Yeah. I mean, surfing, I feel like, is way too dependent on whoever catches the best wave. If you could take that yeah. out of surfing, it'd be a much more level playing field. And in foiling, you can do that because you do the same turn on almost any any wave. What's your favorite, it's a good segue here. What's your favorite conditions for surf foiling? Um, yeah, so that was actually also one of the things I had down. Um, but it actually, it depends. I kind of like different conditions for doing different things. Um, so I remember the podcast with um, Sky, he was saying he likes not a breath of wind at all. Um, which is super, super fun for carving. And when you like are 
really good at airs and you can do those open face airs, you can pretty much do anything in those conditions. Um, but like when you want to learn new things, I really like going out in the onshore surf yeah. because then you just have so many sections to hit. Um, like you never really want pumping wind because then you, if it's offshore, you can't ride your wave. And if it's onshore, you can't really pump out. Um, but now luckily there's the wing and then you can take that out. Yeah. I think my favorite conditions are like three feet and onshore at about eight miles an hour. Yeah, we we have quite a lot of days like that out here. Uh, the reason why I like those days is there's not a single person in the water. <laughs> All the surfers go in. Yeah, especially here at Musenberg is especially, well, even more now so after the lockdown because still say half the people in town aren't at work yet is when there's not a breath of wind and the waves are small, there's like 150 to 200 people in the water. Wow. Yeah. So I'd imagine it's like Waikiki and those learn to surf spots just yeah, littered with people. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think in South Africa, I'd like a lot of people out there to spread out the odds. Uh, I like, I mean, I think you get to a point where you kind of just, you know, the risks that come with it as well. Yeah. Um, again, when I'm in the deep sea, that's a different story because that's just like not my ball game. Um, but when I'm close in, I don't really worry about it too much. Um, I actually must've been two, maybe even three years ago now when I was up in St. Francis, um, I actually watched the shark attack with my very own eyes. So that put me off for a bit and it's the longest I've ever been put off. But again, there's just nothing really that can ultimately keep me out of the water. Yeah. If you've got the bug, there's nothing really you can do about that. Like, I mean, the thing is in the beginning, I thought, especially when you're just sitting there, um, well, here in South Africa, anyway, great whites, Generally, they would attack from the bottom and there's a giant foil underneath you. Um, but then I got super worried again with this whole once that in shark incident happened with Michelle Perez because like my brother fishes a lot. So since he's got into that in the back of my mind, I'm just like, it looks like a giant fishing lure. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I mean, not even uh, talking about the whole sound that apparently they're attracted to. I don't know much about that. Um, but there's, I don't know what you call them, but um, the, the fishermen that go trawling and stuff for tuna and that, they have that big thing that looks like almost like a flying fish in the front. The it's got teaser. these two long Yes. Yeah. I think the foil looks like that. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> I do um, too. Yeah, like I was actually, I was thinking of going up to, back up to Cape St. Francis and Jeffrey's Bay. I wanted to to go catch up with Cliffy and also there's lots of wind up there in winter, but there are also lots of sharks up there in winter. So I put two and two together and I thought I'm just going to delay my trip towards summer again. <laughs> uh, what, what, what's the best surf you've been in on a foil? Have you hit some of the iconic South African point breaks on foil? How, how insane would that be? 
Um, I went out at Point in Jeffreys Bay, so it's not quite super tubes, but it's also a long point. And yeah, lots and lots of fun. Um, there's not, there's very nice because the waves run very far from the rocks, where a lot of the other point breaks, they actually run quite close to the rocks. So I've been wary about trying out too many new spots. Um, but I've just, because I live five minutes away from Musenberg, that's pretty much perfect for foiling every day. I've been really finding it hard to, to get away from here. Yeah. That's one of the beautiful things about foiling is it frees you from having to care about epic surf and crowded breaks. Yeah. And even if it is crowded, if the guys aren't on foils as well, it feels like you're the only guy in the water. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, it's just the whole, um, like, I, I think it's like a big thing over overseas, but because foiling is such a new sport here in South Africa, like all the people getting into it, you kind of need to learn the etiquette behind it. Like don't turn too close to guys, even if you kind of have the confidence um, just because it does freak the other people out. Yeah. You know, I was out the other day at this really good point break here. It's called Point Judith. And it's like one of those um, cobblestone, long running right type waves. And there's like two or three takeoff sections. It was like five feet at 10 seconds. It was a decent day. It was pretty fun on the foil. I basically broke my toe slipping on a rock on the way out, which was terrible. Um, I think it's just super jammed now, not broken. Thank goodness. Um, but I'm out there and there's a guy out there on a, uh, foil setup, stand up foil setup. I won't say what kind or anything like that. Um, cause it's a negative story, but he was, um, didn't know what he was doing. And in two waves, he tried to paddle into two waves and both fell and shot the foil at somebody. And I was like, I'm the only other foiler in the water and it's like 15 people on this peak. So I paddled over to him. And I'm like, Hey man, I was like, I don't, I don't want to be a dick here, but you shouldn't be learning to foil in the middle of this big crowd. And he's like, no, I've been foiling for a year. I foil every day. I was like, well, that kind of doesn't matter because you can't take off and you're shooting your board at people. And I was trying to explain this in a way that wasn't like, you know, not wanting to go to the beach and get into it with somebody or something like that, but also don't want somebody to get hurt. And so if anybody's listening and you're, you're going to learn to foil, stay away from people. I mean, until the point where you're confidently, you know, pumping around and you can basically ride leashless and not worry about it because you don't fall and, and all that. That's, that's maybe when you should start thinking about being around people. But until that point, stay far away because you don't want to hurt somebody. I mean, that would be, I, I literally watched this guy's foil go right over somebody's head. And it was one of the scariest things I'd ever seen. The guy was all shook up too. It happened to, um, but anyways, thought I'd put that out there as a public service announcement. Yeah, I definitely think like if you, no matter who's in the water, if you see someone that doesn't know what they're doing, just explain the rules of it to them. Because again, even here at Musenberg, it's not always the foilers. They're just people learning to surf and they just, they look in the direction they want to go and they don't look anywhere else. And I've like, I've been ridden over a few times. Um, but yeah, it's about explaining it nicely. So you don't, I don't know, kind of hurt their feelings. Um, but yeah, also everyone needs to learn the rules of the water. Um, 
and there was there was one last thing I wanted to say, but I kind of forgot that for now. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're coming up on a on a pretty good time frame here. What? Uh, let me ask you this. Let's close out. If you don't have anything else on your note, you have anything else in your notes you want to touch on? Um, no, I think we covered most of it. Right on. And you can come back on whenever you want. Just let me know. You know, get a bunch of good stories under your belt. Learn some new stuff and hit me up and. We'll do this again because this was a good one. Um, but to close out, what has foiling? You said that you know I, it sounds like you're a lifelong surfer. You switched to almost exclusively foiling. What has foiling give, given you? What, why is foiling? I mean, it's one of the things that I find so intriguing about the sport is that lifelong surfers are selling all their surfboards and just just foiling. Why is it so special? What is the difference? What has foiling given you? Um, talk about that for a little bit, and then we'll we'll wrap it up. Um, one of the things I like the most is even though I've been doing it for two years now and I get to two points where I'm like, I don't really know what's kind of the next thing I'm going to aim for is every session I will still learn something new, whether it's like where you should be looking when you're on the board, like tiny little body movements. I'm always figuring out something new. Um, and also just that feeling of flying is amazing. Um, like one of my things is I'm terrified of heights. So I'm never going to be doing skydiving and all that. And in my mind, foiling gives me that little bit of a adrenaline rush that they're getting. Um, so yeah, I couldn't recommend it more to anyone else. Um, and yeah, even if you're not a great surfer or something like that, you can learn to foil and still get really, really good at it really, really quick. Um, it's a really steep learning curve. Is that the right way to say it? <laughs> that well, you improve? I think you or, do improve fast. I think the first month on a foil, the learning curve is very, I mean, steep would be hard, I guess. I think it's, I think it's steep because yeah, there's a lot of consequence just, in the first month or two. You know, if you can get through that, you should have, I think it's actually safer than surfing in a lot of ways, unless people are doing what you're doing. What you're doing is not that safe. But if you're just carving around and pumping around, it's a pretty safe sport. Yeah, again, and uh, for anyone out there, if you're getting put off that you're not getting a ride straight away, again, it does take time in the beginning. But as soon as you get a couple good runs, you're just going to go on a roll after that. So just keep in mind that that's the goal. And yeah, again, foiling something that, anyone can do is pretty much like the sky's the limit. It's not like surfing where you have to be kind of a one of a kind talent to, to do a backflip on a surfboard. Anyone can eventually do a backflip on a foil in my mind. It's awesome. I plan to be there one day, man. That's gonna be a fun conversation. When we've, when I've done my first backflip, we can talk about backflips. Give me another few months. Yeah, you, now and again, try the strap strapped out. You won't regret it. Yeah. Right on. All right. How do people keep find? It. Go ahead. Oh no, no, never mind. You keep going. I was gonna say, how do people find you? How can they support what you're doing? Um, yeah. What do you want to leave folks with? Um. Yeah. For now, follow me on Instagram. At some point, I'm gonna start a new one up. The the reason why the content hasn't been so good lately is I'm kind of stockpiling that. Um, and the reason for that is I can't because I've had my Instagram account for so long, some of the features don't like allow me to use them to promote myself a lot better. So at some point I will be 
starting a new one up and then I'll be a lot more proactive kind of showing everyone what I'm doing on a daily basis, all my foils and that type of thing, which I've been a bit lazy at doing at the moment. Right on. What's your current Instagram? Um, just Dylan underscore Vichman. That's W-I-C-H-M-A-N-N. Right on, man. Dylan, it's been epic to talk to you, man. Thank you for uh, teaching all of us. We appreciate it. And get out there. Have a great day. Get some waves. Yeah, it's been a, been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's actually it's evening here now, so I'm going to start getting ready for, for bed shortly. And yeah, have a good one. And hopefully I'll be on again soon. Yeah, man. We'll do it. See ya. Thanks, Eric. Cheers, man. 